Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome another to another edition of your favorite hockey podcast, Hockey the Podcast. It is episode 61. And uh, yeah, great to have you with us once again. Uh, I remember Tyron speaking about the fact that people were upset when we'd mention at uh, the time of day when we were recording because they were listening to it at uh, a different time or place or hour. Uh, luckily, that's uh, not the case this time around because I included all of you. Good uh, morning, good afternoon, good evening. And uh, yeah, welcome once again. I'm Derek Alberts, and I've mentioned him already, Tyron Jabu Barnard. Hi, you, Ty. Yeah, hi, Derek. How was your trip? Uh, yeah, it was very good. Thank you very much. Uh, it wasn't too long ago when Tyron uh, went away for a couple of days to go play golf in the Kruger. Uh, I did the same. Uh, it wasn't quite the same golf course, although that being said, it was a magnificent golf course still, so to speak. The hospitality we received from Malalan Golf Course was exceptional. We're treated like absolute kings, so we can't thank them enough. But uh, as an offshoot of the fact that I was in the Kruger, I was unable to take part in this current episode that you're listening to, which is rather strange because you're listening to me right now. But of course, through uh, the wonders of technology and time, uh, time managed to record our guest a few days earlier. Uh, and Ty, tell us a bit more about him. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, our guest had uh, time limitations. And so uh, I had to get him in while you were unavailable. And it, it was uh, maybe... You know, it showed me where uh, there is no dirty unless there is a do and a tie. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was a, a great chat with uh, Pebo, the General Limbete, uh, all the way over in Ireland. He's playing for YMCA and uh, a very confident young man who I truly believe will be a future captain of South Africa. And who knows, maybe the first black South African captain. Well, um, yeah, man, I'm really bummed to have missed it. And thank you very much for holding the fort uh, on your own, although we all know that you're more than capable of doing that anyway. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and really, my apologies for not being around, but uh, I'm sure it was an exceptional interview nonetheless. So I think without further ado, let's listen to Ty and the General. I'm very fortunate today that I'm joined all the way from Ireland by none other than the general, Pibo Nduduzo Numbete. Pibo, how are you doing, bud? Ah, thanks for having me. I'm all good. Um, yeah. Adjusting to the winter, but you're yeah, all good. I mean, has has anyone told you you're great crack yet? Great crack? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so for those wondering if I'm asking anything inappropriate, uh, crack is an Irish term for lots of fun, which I learned when I was mm. commentating with uh, Kate McKenna last year when the Irish girls were here. Uh, so, I mean, people obviously, <clears throat> I mean, you've had a, a really remarkable hockey career already. The, the fact that you find yourself sitting in Ireland playing club hockey for YMCA, um, after growing up in, in Maritzburg, going to college there, 
I mean, let's let's go all the way back to schoolboy hockey because I know you didn't go to the same primary school. You moved to Maritzburg College a bit later on. Um, I mean, tell me about Maritzburg College. I really want to dive in there because when we saw the Olympic squad was released, um, you know, that, that 35, 40-man squad, it was almost like Maritzburg College could lay claim to almost every second or third player. I mean, what made hockey so special? at your your school um i think just keeping things simple um like the coach at the time mike beshe i'm sure you know him he kept things very simple um he was very like we compared him to to sue alex ferguson at times because tuesday training thursday training knew what's going to happen it was very simple and just focus on the basics where I think other schools didn't really focus as much on basics and then college we did and yeah, became good and that attracted more players and kept us at the top and we had a good culture going as well. Um, when at all costs. So yeah. Uh, I mean, and you speak about Mike Bichet, uh in terms of your, your schooling career, I mean, was he one of the most instrumental coaches or, or who else helped uh, develop you into who you are now? Um, quite a few guys, but yeah, he was one of the the top uh, top people who helped me develop. So it was him. Um, I'll mention Guy Elliott, and then Brandon Swartz under fourteens. He really, he really helped me with my basics as well because I was, how can I say, I was very like a raw talent. I wasn't really um, technical and stuff like that. So. Um, Brandon Swartz on the 14, he really helped me like to just be more technical and start thinking about the game uh, differently. But yeah, I think those three, Mike Bichet, Brandon Swartz, and Guy Elliott. And I mean, you played alongside and and, uh, would have trained alongside a lot of guys who are are now uh, national players. I mean, who, who was the guy at school that you trained or played alongside that really pushed you up to another level yeah it has to be tyson uh, played a lot of tie um played midfield with, together um and we used to have competition like who's gonna dominate the most that game um which was a healthy competition but yeah he really pushed me and we till this day i think we still push each other and we really understand each other but yeah it has to be time but I mean, obviously, if you compare the two of you, Tyson is a very uh, outspoken person. He's quite flamboyant. He loves to show his dance moves. I mean, even in his style of hockey, there's a lot of flair there. Where yours is almost a bit more of the hard man, hard tackles in the middle of the park, engine room kind of stuff. And in my limited interactions with you so far, you strike me as that kind of personality. You you have a lot of fun, but you like to. Uh, be serious at the right time. Uh, do you think that's a fair, fair summary of of your hockey game? <laughs> yeah, it's very fair. Um, <laughs> but it's a tie. It's it was. I think that's why we complemented each other so well. Where if we both played in midfield, he can do the fun stuff, and I just do the dirty stuff, and <laughs> did well for the team. I guess worked well. But yeah, that's a fair summary. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I know you have a younger brother who's also a hockey player 
And uh, one of the guys from uh, from Maritzburg in that greater squad is Tane Payton. And, of course, we know that Tane and Wade played both indoor and outdoor together for South Africa. I, I mean, obviously, if you've got a younger brother that plays the game, who's pretty good at the game, is there is there a, a mutual goal there to one day play for the national team together? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, told myself because he's quite still he's still young, so he's like twelve. So I have to wait a long time. But uh, after I played with my brother a couple of times, then I'll call it. <laughs> I'll call it for the national side. That's it's playing club. It's fine. You you guys will play alongside Rusty Peterson. <laughs> You'll still be going that time, I'm sure. <laughs> that, I mean, obviously, where you really, though, uh, took to the limelight and, and became a, a person that all of us uh, in the hockey media and hockey circles really became aware of is when you moved up to, to Tux. Uh, you started studying there and uh, you seemed to absolutely thrive uh, playing hockey in Northern Gauteng. Tell me about the move why tax why not uj and following tyson there uh why tax and, and and what what happened that almost caused your uh meteoric rise um so why tax at first i went to ukzn straight after school so my first year i started at ukzn we played usa in Harrisburg. um tax one and the coach at the time was Frank and Guy was assisting him, Guy Elliott. So I had a really good connection with Guy. He just whispered in my ear, come across. And they just won the tournaments with like all my all my seniors at college were in that team. So the guys I was looking up to were there. So I just decided, you know, I won the tux. Um, and it was a perfect, perfect fit for me because when I got there, it was like going to college again with so many guys, head coaches, college. So it was it was nothing new to me. I think that's why I just settled in and just, yeah, enjoyed my hockey. Yeah, and, and obviously you played in the Junior African Cup in Namibia, but uh, the biggest thing that had happened to you at that point in your life was obviously, I, I'm talking only from a hockey point of view, uh, is going to the Junior World Cup in 2016 alongside your good mate, uh, Tyson Klingwana. Yeah, um, that was that was very enjoyable. Like the whole process, I really enjoyed it. That that group was together for a very long time, and we started understanding each other. We started started like we all like at the beginning we weren't, we weren't really friends, and thinking back now, I can't like name someone that I wasn't friends with in that group. Um, yeah, which I really enjoyed, and I hope the national side now gets to a point like that where we get a team to just go on for a very long time, being mates and playing hockey, because we really had a chance there. We just uh, we just started slow against England, and yeah, that just set us set us in the wrong direction. But we were talented, so yeah, I really enjoyed that that process, that phase of of my career. And I mean, obviously, your first experience of India, we know you've been back there two times since that, but your first experience, sorry, but obviously your first experience of India, you've been back there two times since. I mean, what was that? What was that like? 
Um, completely different. I didn't. I wasn't expecting what I what I got. Um, luckily, we went in in December, which was like a little bit a little bit uh, cool, like not too not too hot. But yeah, very very. Uh, what can I say? How can I put it? Very nice people, for lack of a better word. Um, they love their sports. I've never. <laughs> I was so professional. I've never been in a stadium with so many people. And we were lucky to play India in India. Um, don't know if you watched that game, but the field was like misty and the stadium was full and we couldn't hear people calling us from to sub or something like that. It was very like <laughs> uh, a great moment to be in. Yeah, I really enjoyed India. I actually did watch that uh, watch that game. I remember I was actually at Ratanga Junction for the launch of the PSR that year. Um, and we were all... I mean, it was quite cool to see how many kids would rather be watching hockey than on the rides. And it was because of your team. I mean, your 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 coach at that time was also Gareth Ewing, which which must be really nice having him as your coach of the national team now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's actually, I think it benefits the under-21 guys because we, we know what he wants. We understand what he, his tactics and stuff like that. So... Um, we just crack onto it where I guess like some guys haven't worked with him and Springs is a hard guy so when he goes at you some guys maybe take it personally where us we know okay that's how it is and we just play but a very good coach yeah and it's uh, he's a good friend of the show he's been on twice and then he uh, contributes to the magazine but uh, you know it's, it's interesting because if you look at that team that went to the under 21 world cup we've got uh tyson we've got matt de sosa yourself ryan julius alex stewart um sia nolichungu tevin cock billy and tuli and ryan crow who all have uh subsequently gone and got national colors but for some players that's where it stops that's where it stops you go to an under 21 world cup and you know, that's ultimately where, where it stops for your career. I mean, take us through playing that home series against France, your first ever call-up, how how special that was. I mean, how did you celebrate that moment with your family as well? Um, yeah, that was very, very, like, special. At a time in my career, after the Junior World Cup, like, it took me, what, two more years to, to get a call-up and the time I was like, ah, maybe my big dream of making the national side is, is not going to happen yet. And then out of the blue, we got a call-up and I was like, yeah. Um, then we played that series at, at home against France. My first cap, luckily my dad was up uh, in Joburg. I think he was running in the Soweto Marathon or something. I can't remember what marathon he was running. But it was really nice to have him there to watch my first game ever for South Africa. Um, I got a trap flick my first cap <laughs> flicked it and hit the post would have been uh, <laughs> a lack of goal but I mean yeah. I was I was at the stadium and I still remember we got the short corner and I think it was Austin and Jethro were both off the field uh, yeah. it was, was, uh, <laughs> Courtney was injured uh, not Courtney um, um, yeah, Bushy was injured and so we turned and we're like oh who's going to take him we saw you lining up and you smashed the post, and, and we've been asking ever since why you haven't taken another one since that. 
Um, just have to wait. There's still, still a bit of liquors ahead of me. Just have to wait and keep training and stay patient. So humble. So humble. So <laughs> uh, sports is... I mean, and, and people, I mean, with, with your family, how, I mean, when you got that call up and, and you stood up and, and sang the national anthem for your country, I mean, I, not many of us will get to experience that moment um, in our lives. Uh, I mean, what was that like for you? Um, yeah, special. I was honored. And I was just thinking in my head, because like I was out of out of my mom's side, I was like the first child, like the first grandchild, and every like family members like basically loves me, and all the young youngsters look up to me. So I was like, I'm representing them. I'm representing my family, all the kids that um, one day want to play national sport for any any sport. I represent them. So it was very special got a little bit emotional, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get too emotional. I, just, I still had a game to, to focus on, but that just made me play even harder that game. Uh, yeah. It was very special. And, and I mean, you know, quite often you have a, a World Cup squad that is built up over a few years. You uh, snuck into the team, made your debut in November, and in the exact same month you were in the World Cup at... Uh, Bubaneswa in India. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a whirlwind ride, but were you able to take it in and, and, and truly enjoy being at the World Cup that I know was a, a frustrating World Cup for us as South Africans going home in the group stage? Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was difficult. Um, played against top teams, two top teams, India and Belgium. I think I should have done better against Canada. Um, but on the field, I enjoyed my hockey. It was, it was nice to see us like, progress. Our first game was, wasn't too great. Second game got better. Our third and last game, we should have buried. Um, but it was nice to see us progress, which for me, I enjoyed as well. Um, I think I was also lucky that I, how can I say, I got my cap when I was mature, like when I was a little bit older. Where I could, like, I wasn't starstruck about I'm too nervous to play, I'm too scared. I was like, this is all I wanted all my life. And when the chance came, I just took it with both hands and played. So I wasn't too worried and too stressed about my performance. I just did what I do all the time. And of course, we talk about the fact that that was a disappointing tournament. Fortunately, Less than a year later, we got to go back to the exact same venue and we got to make things right by by making it to the final of the Hockey Series finals. And obviously, this was now under a different coach because we now were under Gareth. Mark Hopkins had stepped out. I mean, how does that tournament rank? Uh, uh, you know, and obviously that, that goal from Nick Spooner. I mean, how does this rank for you in terms of uh, experiences? Um, it was very like it started. So that tournament started off with us losing two games. Um, so that goal there meant a lot from us because a lot of people I think wrote us off after two games. Um, so for us to bounce back like that was 
was incredible. Um, and and the and the springs as well as you said, new coach. What he did was he didn't come in and change everything at at the beginning. So he just pulled on um, what we've been doing in in past in the past year, and then he slowly started changing things later. But yeah, when Spooner scored that goal, I remember we just we just actually we just cleared not cleared um, the USA just attacked and they scored a, a tap and goal in the back post. Luckily, the ref ref sword was a foot. Um, cause there was no, no TMO to, oh, TMO to yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then a few seconds left, we were on the counter. I remember I was just jogging, um, to the halfway line to set up like counter cover, just in case they, you turn over the ball. Um, then <laughs> next minute, the next seconds. Next Buna scored. I was there was nothing in the tank for me. I just started sprinting to the corner to celebrate. So it was it was it was special. Special. Yeah, we loved it. And and obviously that coupled with what happened next to African uh, hockey road to Tokyo, where where in, in all truth, even though uh Egypt scored first, we were very, very comfortable in that, that final game. Has now given you as part of the team um the opportunity to go play at the Olympics. Is that all you can think about right now? Um, uh, at the moment, it's it's in my head, but I also don't want to like jinx it. Um, like what happened this year. Like, like I'm just thinking, hopefully we go, um, doesn't get postponed again and stuff like that. Um, at the moment, all I just want to do is just prepare be fit and control the things I can control because if they say, okay, Olympics are moved to January, I know I'll be ready. But yeah, it's in the back of my head. It's in the back of my head. Oh, rightfully so. I mean, you've been an ever-present in the team since your debut, uh, playing against USA and, and showing them who's boss, playing against Germany, getting that draw. Um so it, it would only be right to harbor ambitions of of an Olympic Games, and obviously we know it's a it's a big squad, forty five players that has to get trimmed down to sixteen. There are going to be more players disappointed than not. And you're right; all you can do is what you can control, and one of those things yeah. is playing some high level club hockey, which has seen you go over to Ireland, where you have to murder a cup of tea. Um, or drink a Guinness or something. I think your your fines are probably a lot heavier than South Africa if you have to do fines with Guinness. But um, yeah. I'm people. How did how did that come about? The the move across to IMCA. IMCA. Um, there's there's a few guys here. I'm sure if you remember Grant Lutz and Ashley Kemp. Um, yeah, they they. I remember Grant was quite a big part of your Northern Gauteng team when you guys. Uh, when you guys were with uh, varsity cup, when you won, I think Grant was there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started chatting to them, and then and then they introduced me to to Jason, um, the YMCA coach. Yeah, and he's actually a South African. And then he started chatting to me, and then I was keen. And then COVID happened, and then varsity went to online learning, and then I was like, "Here's my chance to go." And then I went over. 
Um, and now that you're over there, obviously COVID is having its uh, second go in Ireland and and stuff has been temporarily called off. Where, where does it leave your uh, position with, um, with YMCA and, and with the EY Hockey League? Um, yeah, it's frustrating because we, we had a good start. Won three games out of three, top of the log, and then boom, COVID hits again. Um, at the moment, we're doing nothing. Um, we'll carry on when lockdown is done on the 1st of December. And then I think league games will start again next year. So at least there's a plan. But we just, yeah, we just have to wait. And I think next year, if we do go to lockdown, um, Hockey Island will try to get us to play again because other sports are playing, like hurling and GAA, all that stuff is playing. Um, so maybe the EY will carry on next year. Well, I mean, speaking about uh, hurling, speaking about uh, Jay, have you had a chance to dive in and, and experience some of the other Irish sports? Um, there's there's a park we usually go run around, and there there's usually like a hurling game playing. First time I saw it, I was like, "Hey, Grant, let's stop and watch." Um, when people say hockey is dangerous, I think <laughs> hurling is two times more dangerous than hockey. But yeah, that's the only moment I've had. Hopefully when everything is out of lockdown and spectators are allowed in stadiums, I'll go watch a hurling match live. And I mean, people, what, what is the plan for you at present? Is it another year, two years, or how long are you signed uh, with YMCA? And, and where, where after that? Um, the moment is two years, and then I'll see. I'll see after that. My ambitions elsewhere as well. So I'll see after that where it takes me. With with the class, <laughs> yeah, probably one day. That's 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 one of that's one of my dreams to play in the office class. Um, but yeah. Now, fantastic. And obviously, it, it does come with its challenges being based overseas now. Um, when South Africa are going to play, and, and obviously everything is up in the air with COVID right now, but it does throw in the, the yeah. challenge of having to come back to South Africa. And I mean, is that still something you are, are very keen to do in representing your country? Yeah, I'm very keen. Very keen. Um, so... Luckily, the club also understands that, that I still want to play, I still want to travel if there's a camp and stuff like that. So they told me, yeah, you can go whenever and they'll support me with that. Um, so, yeah, if it's time to come back and represent the country, I'll come back and play. Um, and, and people, I have to ask you, I mean, you you captain tax. There are very many people who are, are talking about you as, as taking over... Uh, captaincy for South Africa once Tim Drummond, uh, Austin Smith, and the likes uh, decide to call it quits, which which could be after the Olympics. Who knows? Um, you know, and obviously uh, in South Africa with uh, with 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 what we have, it would be a, a momentous opportunity for you to take captaincy of of the team. Is that something that you desire, or is that uh, not really high up on your priority list? Um, 
I'd say it's all up to the coach and the players. Um, but it's there in my head. Like if if I didn't get it, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind too much. I always put put uh, everything on the line for the team. If I get it, it's a plus in my career. And now I'll do the best I can. But yeah, as I said, <laughs> it's there, but it's not the main priority. The main priority is just playing for my country and doing well with my country. No, fantastic stuff. Um, look, we I know that uh, in a group of, of media that I've spoken to, your name is high up on the list. And uh, if you do one day become the captain, you'll have a lot of us in your support. And if you don't, don't worry, we'll still support you anyway. Um, so that's all good. I, people, obviously, I, Ireland have also uh, really kick-started the indoor hockey side of things. Have you, what, what is your, I mean, I've never really seen you on an indoor hockey field. Uh, what is your feeling towards the the shortened indoor version of the game? I've never played indoor in my life. <laughs> um, but a lot of people have been chucking it in my ear this side. So I think I want to start playing a bit just because if, if I come back in January early because we don't have games in national side, there's nothing else to do than play indoor. So I just play indoor. Or before I go home in December, I'll get stuck into some indoor. Ha- have a chat with your friend Diane Kasim about indoor and uh, you'll, you'll quickly see probably <laughs> one of the most passionate indoor hockey players there is. He loves he loves the game. <laughs> I mean, and then oh, obviously dear, people, dear. I mean, you're in Ireland now and Ireland is a, a very interesting hockey country in the sense that their women are very much on the rise that incredible fairy tale run at the World Cup. They qualified for the Olympics. The men, on the other hand, obviously had the heartbreak for the Olympics uh, with a a massive call. And uh, as you said, no TMOs and stuff allowed at these things. Uh, Really, really left a sour taste in the mouth. Do you still feel the repercussions of that in Ireland? Or are people now starting to move on? Um. I think it's 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 still there. The guys are hurting. Like the few guys I've chatted to, they're really hurting. But it's they they're starting to move. They're starting to move on and starting to support their ladies. I think. Um, but they're still sour. Yeah, understandably so. I mean, I'm still sour about having. I mean, I think I only scored like seven or eight goals in my career of outdoor hockey. I was a defender and very much a defender. Um, and I remember having a goal disallowed once because they said it it came off my foot first, but it did not come off my foot. And uh, so I could have had nine. I mean, nine goals is a lot better than eight. No. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. It's, it's frustrating things like that happen. Um, cause no, but <laughs> you, I, I suppose you know the problem is, yeah, we all know, but unfortunately we all are going to experience that at some point. It's just a very big pity for Ireland that it happened at arguably the largest and worst time for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, lucky for them. People are 28 caps now for South Africa. Is there one that's your favorite? Um, final against Egypt is up there. The USA game, we won last minute, is up there. And the first one against France, the one we drew, is up there. So yeah. those three make my top. Awesome. Top three. 
Right, and let's let's uh, let's change things up a little here. And uh, you're not an indoor player, but being an outdoor player, you at least know about hockey fives. Let's pick a dream hockey fives team from people you have played with in your career. Who would who would make your dream team of five? Five, six with the keeper, or uh, let's make it six with the keeper. We can change the rules. Okay. Uh, keep Obisia, um, Jethro, Matty be at the back, um, Ta, Tevin. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> and Billy. Yeah. And no, no space for yourself in the team, eh? Nah, those boys, I trust those boys. I'll be, I'll be on the start here in the morning. I <laughs> know, oh, fantastic. Pima, I, I know you have some training and some studies to carry on with. Uh, so thank you for taking the time today. I, I appreciate it. So as I said, sorry that Derek couldn't be with us. Um, but we wish you the best of luck. Uh, we hope that uh, in the near future, you guys are allowed back on the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whether the Olympics allow fans or not, that at least they go forward and you're able to at least complete the first part of uh, your hockey dreams. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was good chatting. Good chat. Uh, Awesome stuff. All right. So uh, that was none other than the general, Nduduzo Pibo Limbete, the man who is quickly making his mark on the national team and... uh, if we if we played as much hockey as maybe Netherlands or Germany, he would probably be on seventy caps already. But uh, twenty eight, very okay. very impressive caps so far. Thanks for joining. Uh, let's head back to Derek in the studio. Man, what a guy! I uh, I'm really bummed to have missed that one tie. Yeah, such a such a, a humble young man, a man who's achieving so much with uh, such a such a good spirit, and that's really what I love about South African hockey is just the uh, the level of calm and class that oozes out of the pores. It it really is something that uh, is quite impressive. Yeah, exceptionally impressive. I mean, I was blown away uh, by his mannerisms, his confidence, and uh, yeah, his definite drive to achieve so much more, despite the fact that he has achieved so much already in his fledgling hockey career. And I, I certainly back you when you say that he's certainly going on to much bigger and better things, including that armband uh, on the hockey field in the near future. However, as good as that interview was, so I, must, uh, I must say that there's one thing that you left out, and that is what we become known for, the one-question quiz. Yeah, Derek, I actually cried a little bit after I'd finished recording <laughs> it. Um, you know, my wife couldn't even console me. She didn't know what was wrong. And I said, I forgot the one-question quiz. And she's like, oh, what are you going to do? I said, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I'll chat to Derek when we record the opening and closing. And she said, why don't you ask Derek the one-question quiz? And I thought... That is perfect. So, Derek, you are going to take on the one-question quiz. Yeah, that is nasty. Very, very nasty, Ty. (laughs) You can blame Kath. Wow, okay, cool. I I will blame Kath, but uh, man, oh man, it's, uh, it's very stressful being on the other side. So, 
Uh, I think it's only um, pertinent that I continue where we left off in terms of the interrupter. So, do, 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 here we go. Live in the moment till I die. Cool. So, I finally take up the hot seat. I, I, I must say, I'm not happy about it, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, and due to Ty's error, I get to um, suffer the penalty. <laughs> yeah, that's great teamwork. This is like rugby when uh, Richie McCaw yeah. would stick his hands in the rack and uh, everybody else would get cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all I, right. love, I love being... Uh, so there, yeah, yeah, I love the fact there, you're being you, compared you, to Richie. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, same, same, same amount of caps. Um, <laughs> yours is just golf caps and he's is. Uh, rugby caps but hey all right Derek so you've played a lot of golf lately and you know I was going to ask you about Willem Alberts in rugby or I was going to ask you uh who scored the first ever hockey goal at a live game you were at but then I was you know not sure maybe you have something in the cupboard that I don't know about so I thought let's stick with golf on a hockey podcast and uh let's go with do you know and this is your question which is the longest golf course in South Africa. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm a member of a of a very long one. And I think that's in the top five. Okay. And yeah, I always was under the impression that 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 was the one. Um. And and the one I'm talking about is is the signature course at Serengeti and it's over 6,000 meters or something like that or 6,000 yards um, and I was certainly under the impression that, that that was the one but I suppose I'm in the wrong because if you're saying that's in the top five the other possible one though and I haven't played it it's that one um, I can't remember the name but it's the one where you where you fly up on a helicopter and you still, you've got to tee off onto the Africa green. Am I in the right? Yes, that, so that, I mean, you're in the right province. You <laughs> at the right course. <laughs> I just don't know the name. Um, and you've played that, hey? I, I, I have. I've played the course, and I've played the the extreme nineteenth. The extreme nineteenth, well. and and is it the longest because the extreme nineteenth comes into play, or if you take nineteen away, is it still the longest? No, it's it's the longest without nineteen. Oh wow! Because you know, there's quite a cool dynamic. You know, most courses are designed by one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this course is is designed by eighteen different. And then there would be a word that I would say now. Uh, ha! Legends. There we go. Legend ah, Golf okay. and Safari Resort. <laughs> of course, uh, as far as I'm aware, they are currently uh, not operational uh, due to the financial strain of uh, COVID. But that is the longest course in South Africa. Of course, 18 different legends designing each designed one hole. Wow. And all of them went and made them the longest possible holes that they could. Oh, man, I uh, I need to get out there and, jeez, I mean, if you think I could do long days in the golf course as it is, 
on pretty easy courses. You can imagine how I'd struggle on that side. But I uh, didn't struggle too badly on the one-question quiz, although it was exceptionally nerve-wracking. And uh, I now know exactly what it feels like for our guests when they get to the tail end of the interview. Ty, thank you very much, uh, firstly, for the question, but more so, thank you for the interview. That was uh, exceptional. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, well done, Derek. And uh, uh, you win yourself a Raider Media hat. Please uh, go into the study and pick up one for yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ty. And I promise you, next time uh, I will be with you in spirit and in person when uh, we conduct our next interview. You won't be on your ace, but uh, you certainly did ace this one by yourself. Cheers, Ty. Thanks as always.